Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job, here's how. Let's get started. We are going to have a really fun conversation this morning. My guest is Will Barfield. Will is president and CEO of Barfield Revenue Consulting here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Will and his wife are essentially an institution in Raleigh. They've been deeply embedded in the Triangle business community for many years. Will is a friend to many, and um, he's kind of the man to know in Raleigh. So, Will, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Kitty. It's a pleasure, and that's a magnificent intro. Thank you for that. I might ask uh, for you to record that one and send it to me. i use it again. <laughs> of course. I asked Will to come on the show and jokingly said, hey, let's talk about finding opportunities in this crappy job market. And that doesn't make a great podcast. So I'll have to rethink (laughs) job opportunities in a crappy job market as our title for today. But I work with students from Code School Momentum who are looking for jobs. And I also work with women going back to the workforce. And I keep talking about, let's look and find those pockets of opportunity in this job market because I know they're out there. It is kind of my job to be a little more optimistic than talking about a crappy job market, and I genuinely am. So Will is here because he knows our local business community and market so well inside and out and has lots of great insight around this. And so we're going to talk about how we find some of those opportunities in a down market and what to do when you do find them. So, Will, let's get started. Let's sort of brainstorm some ideas around industries where there are opportunities in this like slightly strange market because everybody is working from home and we've kind of never been in a time like this before. We've lived through recession and down markets, but this one is a little bit different. So, where do you think there are some pockets of opportunity for job seekers? It's the second recession that I have gone through in the recruiting industry. I was about four years in when 2008 occurred and I was a business development leader and individual contributor and was also starting to dabble in recruiting in the sales world back in late 2008 through kind of, you know, 9, 10, and 11. And experience that down market and this one is dramatically different. I'd say that the last recession was one that the staffing agency I worked for at the time, Frankel Staffing Partners, we saw that coming, Katie, probably about a year out. And we were able to pivot. We were able to advise candidates and uh, clients on ways to tackle and deal with that. And we were able to kind of absorb some of the changes that occurred. We were, we got into different market segments. We probably only experienced about a 25% loss in revenue 
quarter over quarter for about a year or so. And then by late 09, Franklin was already coming out of it. We were starting to see a job market recovery. We were starting to see companies hiring again with some traction and stability. And, and we were very fortunate. I'd say with this down market, we didn't see it coming. I work for my own firm. My wife and I started this business three years ago and we were all the way through the really the second week of March. We were signing new clients, picking up new work, adding more projects. And we were incredibly busy filling positions across all four time zones. I mean, we were on fire having an amazing Q1. And then in the span of really two business weeks, the uh, week of the 16th and the week of the 23rd of March, it just all came to a, a screeching halt and it was dramatically impactful. It was almost impossible to see coming. And there really is no contingency plan for a business or for candidates and employees on how to deal with a, a job market where essentially everything shuts down in an instant and then drags for several weeks and then into months and then into quarters trying to figure out how we're going to recover from this. All of us, companies, hiring managers, candidates, employees, it's a marketplace where we all have to communicate openly and frequently and share what we're experiencing and make sure that we're helping one another and keeping everyone informed. And that's what I wanted to get on here and talk with you about today is, you know, what makes this so different? The conversations that I'm having with companies and, and hiring managers and candidates that are in search mode and how I'm trying to, you know, advise folks like you and others on the dynamics that we're facing and, and how we can all improve our situations. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. This one is different. This is unlike anything that we have seen before. And so it's interesting to me when you talk about 2008 and make that comparison. And then the, from hearing you talk about it, it sounded like you all at, at Frankel came out of this fairly quickly. And that's really interesting. Do you think that's a function of the healthy and varied job market here in the Triangle area in North Carolina? Because Absolutely. that wasn't the case everywhere. No, I think, you know, we have seen some publicity online. We've seen some articles. There's been some posts and some news about how Raleigh and Durham or Raleigh-Durham as a combined market will be one of the areas to come out of the recession faster and to see the hiring landscape improve quicker. And that's, I believe that's hundred percent accurate. When we came out of the last recession, the, the things that made our market resilient and made it able to, to bounce back quickly, made it nice and elastic was that we're small business powered. So it's not like we're turning big battleships here where we've got huge corporate headquarters and large you know, employment bases and, and massive layoffs that we need to recover from. We're a bunch of speedboats around here. We can tend to turn pretty fast, pivot. We also are a hub for innovation. You've got software and technology. You've got healthcare and biotech and pharma. We've got the Research Triangle Park region. We've got, you know, startup hubs in, in downtown Raleigh and downtown Durham. We've got, you know, venture capital and private equity money that flows in, alternative investment. We've got, you know, Wake County and the state of North Carolina working very hard from an economic recruiting standpoint to bring innovative uh, companies here 
there's just there's a lot of positive checkboxes for us that make our market one that that comes out quicker. And I, I believe it will happen again this time around. I mean, the factors are different and the, the levers that have to be pulled are going to be you know varying from last time. But that is a silver lining for me that I, I absolutely am confident that we're going to jump out of this quicker than probably 90% of the markets in the country, just because of how we're, how we're set up business wise. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. We are lucky. We have so many small businesses here and so much entrepreneurship and, and just a ton of really interesting things going on, I think in our business community. Yes. And so some of those places where if you're a job seeker, you might find opportunity I think are things like anything in educational technology, kind of amazing how, how we haven't quite figured that one out yet. I think when you look at like our, our massive public school system here, we're in Wake County. We are the ninth largest school district in the country and, and yet, you know, our online learning experience was definitely left a little room for improvement, I think, but, and we're not unique in that. I think school systems all over experience that because they had to move so quickly, but there's so much opportunity there, I think. And there are companies that are trying to work on that. And so hopefully someone figures that out very quickly. Yes. And um, so anyway, so I do think educational technology, anything there is a, is one of those pockets of opportunity and essentially anything that enables virtual training, learning, conferencing, I would even say something like in-home entertainment as now instead of going out, we're all staying home and watching Netflix. I'm personally super bored with Netflix hmm. at this point, but so hopefully there's, there's something else out there. But I think that's where some opportunity is. And and speaking of all of that, we do have a really hot tech sector here. And Will, I know you're really close to that as well. Yes, great points. And I'll add some color and additional content there. You know, as, as you know, for the balance of work that my practice does, we, it's called Barfield Revenue Consulting because we staff revenue generating positions. Our goal is to help high growth, ramping, market interrupting, most of the time technology focused companies with hiring sales and marketing and other business development roles that impact revenue. So we're working with companies that are scaling and, and rapidly trying to expand their, their presence and, and their market capture and their growth. And so the, the areas where I have seen both locally and nationally that there's lots of opportunity and that these areas have handled this economic downturn better than most and are actually well positioned to grow in the midst of it and beyond it to your point e-learning and anything in in distance education absolutely our school system in wake county and the you know many many school systems nationally simply were not prepared to pivot quickly to an e-learning platform and they had you know, bits and pieces of things that they kind of use together between, you know, Google Classroom and Blackboard and other tools. Some of this solved this and some of this solved that, but, but nothing uniform. And that, that issue was glaring when kids went from in school every day to at home every day. 
And they had to pivot and come up with a, a platform that worked quickly. And obviously we're not prepared for it. I, I too don't blame them for that. I don't think that much like any of us had a contingency plan for a global economic shutdown, they weren't ready either and couldn't have been expected to be, but it did show that there's ton of room for improvement in the delivery of online learning, particularly in K-12. So that's a great industry segment. You mentioned the video platforms, and I'd say that any delivery of video or communications by mobile phone and or by streaming, certainly doing well. You got video conferencing and there's tons of different tools that like Zoom and others that are in that space that are, that are growing. A good friend of mine just took a job uh, for Zoom as a uh, recruiter. She's working from home and is, is going to be sourcing for them all over the U.S. because they're hiring everywhere and doing so remotely, which makes sense given the space that they're in. E-commerce doing very well, much like you and I are not going out to the movies. You know, we're not going out to shop right now and we're doing everything online. So anything that serves the e-commerce space, tools, softwares in, in that arena are doing very well and positioned for growth. Telemedicine and telehealth, right? So you're, you're online either by laptop or by pad or by phone visits with doctors, doing appointments remotely, minimizing risk, maximizing time. Those are, those tools are positioned to do well and are hiring anything in mobile messaging and mobile payments, right? So, you know, mobile communications and chat apps and anything that enables you to pay quickly over the phone or, or transfer, move money back and forth between people and institutions via mobile phone securely. Certainly are areas that are, are doing very well. Cybersecurity, you think about all this traffic online and you and me by phone and email and every other you know, method out there, you know, hacking and compromised information and that kind of stuff is even more of a risk when there's that much online traffic. So the cybersecurity space is one that's doing well also. And then supply chain procurement ERP, anything that has to do with the getting a good or goods from here to there, because there's all kinds of stuff that has to be transported across the U S for food, but also for supplying hospital equipment. And then there's just you and me ordering stuff on Amazon because we don't want to go out to the mall. And so any software tools that feed that space and and make it secure and efficient, I'm both locally and nationally, those, you know, industry segments, particularly in software and tech are places where I'm seeing health, and seeing growth and some hiring activity. All right, fantastic. I wanted to um, just build on that and mention Channel Advisor. You mentioned e-commerce. Yes. Anything that is enabling e-commerce, Channel Advisor here in the Triangle is a great example of that. And just read an interview with their CEO the other day. He's talking about their peak volumes were up 56% in April they usually have a really big December because of all the online Christmas shopping. And they've done more volume in April than they typically do in December. So it was like a second Christmas for them and they're growing and hiring. And so love to see that happening, especially here locally. That's always nice. You mentioned mobile payments. Breedly is a good example of that locally here. Also, I think anything in this space of industrial cleaning and how do we make our offices safe places for people to go back to. And we've seen Spiffy here locally 
kind of do this big pivot from being a company that was servicing, essentially, you could schedule things like an oil change or something, and they would come to you and do that. And then they were doing that for fleets. And now they've pivoted into offering industrial cleaning services. I think first for cars, but they've expanded even beyond that. So so we've seen companies shift and adapt. And that's been really interesting to see how they've identified those opportunities and shifted what they do to accommodate our new our new world here. Also, I had a recruiter recently tell me beer and wine distributors, because apparently we're just all staying home drinking a little more than we used to. No comment. Um, that was very interesting. And so perhaps some more opportunity there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, great points there. The, the pivot piece is so appropriate because out of times of great disaster and tragedy often comes greatest innovation, right? These tend to be the times when people and companies and nations rise and that, you know, amazing innovation happens and things that we did not think of before or, or things that weren't as prevalent in the past become explosive opportunities for growth and, and development and career advancement. And so, you know, that's a, Great points that you made there, but also, you know, that, that's another silver lining in here, right, is inevitably we're going to look back at this 12 months and beyond and, and be really excited about the, the, thing, the things that rose from the ashes. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Also, as we see companies pivot, I think even job seekers have yes. to pivot a little bit themselves too, right? And that can involve picking up new skills or shifting your focus or just maybe broadening the lens of what you thought you were looking for in a job and maybe finding a different industry or a different way to apply the skill set that you do have. So I think that pivot can be really a a lifesaver in a time like this. Hypercritical Um, for candidates right now. Yes. Agreed. So as far as looking for more of these opportunity spaces, I've been reading a lot and I'm seeing that companies where either the need for their product or service still exists or has super increased now that everyone's working from home. One interesting one that I found here locally was Spoonflower. They make, they do custom digital printing on fabrics. Now that is not something that I would have thought of as an opportunity in a global pandemic. But apparently when we're all staying home, we're looking around our houses and thinking, man, I got to redo this room. It's looking a little shabby and now I'm here all the time. So between that, yeah, and mask making too has been a big, I guess, driver for their fabric. And so their business has just exponentially increased, tripling in less than a week they said in mid-March. So that's crazy. That's a, it's a crazy like surprise to me. I don't know, Will, what do you make of that? It is wonderful to see companies that had already been successful and had a good name or reputation and were part of our local startup ecosystem, particularly those that were in B2C and not just, you know, everybody, everything being all about B2B, you know, software that there were, you know, B2C companies that like Spiffy or Spoonflower that you mentioned, or even Channel Advisor that really is more of a, a B2B to C play, right? Because they deal with companies that are, you know, dealing with end user consumer buyers, finding ways to benefit and grow 
you know, as a result of some of the, the things that have occurred during this pandemic and the thing, the fallout that came after, you've got companies. I talked to a guy the other day that he and his business partner were in the uh, lab sales working with companies, working with, I'm sorry, medical practices on where they brought their lab services for patients. And they tilted up a business very, very rapidly to distribute PPE and to get uh, masks and gloves and other necessary equipment to medical practices faster because they had a, a unique supply chain option with a provider. And they got a whole business going and were growing it very rapidly and, and reached out to me for help with some business development related consulting around you know, ramping that. So you know, there, you can look around your house and say, man, I wanna you know, get that fixed because I'm sitting here staring at it a whole lot more than I used to be. Or you can say, good gosh, look at this pain that the, the marketplace is having. How, how can I get a business going quickly or, or innovate with an idea to try and, and solve that issue and go to market with something when there's you know, great product market fit because the market's screaming, ouch. Yes. And I think there are some of those opportunities to, as you say, like solve problems that we're experiencing now that we weren't before. Something like tutors for the kids in the fall Maybe as we head into an uncertain school year, I think there's going to be a big need for tutors to come into your home and teach your kids who aren't maybe thriving in the online learning system or parents who just are hesitant to send their kids back to school. I see that as being a big need. Essentially, anything delivery or concierge seems um, like a, a huge space right now, a need that is People are, there are people trying to meet that need for sure. My 19 year old son has been driving for Postmates doing delivery this summer and it keeps him very busy. He's making a ton of money. So there's that. I see a need for figuring out some type of innovative way for people to celebrate things. There are milestones that we're all stuck at home, but we're still having birthdays and graduations and anniversaries and important things that we need to celebrate and we can't have a big party anymore. So someone smart is going to figure that one out. Sounds like local vacations are on the rise as people still need to get away and get a break, but nobody wants to get on a plane. So Hmm. it does seem like there are lots of problems waiting to be solved. And I'm sure there's a million others I haven't even thought of. So. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you mentioned the, the concierge and delivery. My teenage daughter is uh, working for Instacart and helping solve that problem. I agree with you completely on the tutoring piece. There's a lot of kids that the online learning platform is just not going to be conducive to the way that they absorb process information. And whether it's in home or some kind of virtual one-on-one tutoring session, you know, via a video platform, there are going to be kids that are going to need help and there's going to be a, a need for someone to, to step into that, that gap. You know, I'm constantly talking to candidates and folks that are in the job market right now around, you know, situations where they, the industry that they were in and the work that they were doing is in question. It's really in jeopardy. I had a conversation with a young lady last week and her entire career very successful decorating career over a decade was in the restaurant industry in meetings and events. 
And, you know, she's saying to me, what do I do? How do I, I I don't even know when our restaurant is going to be operating at full capacity again, if it will be at full capacity again, we're not going to be doing big onsite events. That's not in the plans. We don't really know what our pivot's going to be for how we will, you know, host events, how would you even cater that? Like, I don't know where my industry is going, whether it's a restaurant or just meetings and events. Like, I, I, I don't know where to turn, but I can't be unemployed. And so we're getting on the phone. I'm getting on the phone with folks like her and others and just having conversations around what's next and, you know, and how to approach that tactically and don't want to you know, get ahead of the agenda and what you want to cover on the podcast today. Katie, but you know, I'm, I'm certainly ready at any point in time, if you'd like to kind of get into that piece too, and, and how, you know, we, people think creatively and thoughtfully about opportunities that are out there and, and how they can maybe, you know, attack the job market and consider some sort of self reinvention. Yeah, let's go there because I think like you point out, there are a lot of people in that situation Right, anybody in events and travel in human yeah. airlines, restaurants, heck, commercial real estate is gonna take a big hit. So yeah, how let's talk about reinvention and how do people even start to think about basically doing a 360 in maybe a career that they've had for a long time and been very successful in. And as we look at recovery, it does seem like there are jobs that just aren't coming back, at least not for a couple of years. And that's too long to wait it out. Right. And if they come back, we don't know if they'll be what they were. Right. So thank you for that handoff there. And to, to go back to the young lady I was referencing and kind of use her as a, um, an example a little bit further, you know, she, she is below 32 years in age. What does that mean? That means that she has never experienced a down job market. When she graduated from college, we were in economic recovery and she's only ever been pursued. She's been the hunted, not the hunter. So we've got an entire work generation that really doesn't know what it's like to be unemployed or to lose a job and not find one quickly or to not just get recruited away from this job to that job. Part of the, the, time that I've been investing in people lately has been around helping them with that shock of just what's happened. And I, I don't understand, like I've never had to look for a job before jobs always come to find me or when I moved or quit or resigned or decided I want to transition, I picked something up real quick. So part of it's just adjusting to that new normal and how you actually go about the job hunt. A lot of these folks don't have great resumes. They haven't needed it. A lot of these folks really don't know how to use LinkedIn as a job brokerage tool. You know, it's been more of a professional social media outlet and kind of a, you know, a sign out there on the internet that kind of shows what they've done in their career, but they've never built it or engineered it to help them find a job. And they, they don't really know how to attack the online application process and are, are mystified as to why. They apply to a myriad of things and never hear back, right? Why, why the silence will? And so, you know, what I try to get into with, with someone like her is, well, you know, if, if we have a, a concern or a feeling or an inclination that we're, we're not just going to go easily find another meetings and events job in restaurant, what do you do? Well, 
we got to work backwards. We got to look at what we've done in our career and find the things that the skills and experiences that we had that are, that are applicable to other career tracks. And are there things that we did in the past that we really enjoyed? You know, I talk to people about finding your happy. What was your happy? What made you happy at the jobs that you had in your career? Were there one or two or three common threads, right? What, can you find those colors in there that are kind of visible throughout that are the, the pieces and parts that regardless of who you work for, what you did, there were commonalities that made you happy and made you want to get up and go to work every day and do an awesome job. And those happy factors are things that can be found in other positions and in other industries, but we, we've got to know our happy before we begin our search. And with her, she really wanted to move from meetings and events in the restaurant space. And, and, and what she liked, her happy was taking care of customers, managing client accounts long-term, getting repeat business and growing it. And so it was really the sales and relationship aspect of the industry, but it wasn't the new client acquisition. She was not the one that went out and found the business. But when the business came in, she was the one that managed it, nurtured it, kept them coming back. And, and she would reach out and, and go find more opportunities. So what we have begun doing is helping her look at account manager and customer or client success type roles that she may be able to apply for locally. Some of them may end up being kind of outside territorial management positions in you mentioned beer and wine distribution. She found a, a territorial manager job in the beer and wine industry where she would be going around and, and visiting area establishments that buy beer and wine and keeping their relationships going and, and growing the business. It's a great fit. It's not restaurant and meetings and events, but there's transitional and translatable experience and skill that works there. And so we spent a half hour together on the phone and then some more email follow-up and tried to help her build a strategy on how do I take what I've done and bend it, curve it, and, and you know, how malleable is it so that I can you know, attack the job market in a way where my history of work experience makes sense and I can be a candidate of interest. If she didn't do that, Katie, and if we didn't re-engineer her resume and and help re-engineer the way she presented herself on LinkedIn, she would struggle to apply for jobs that looked different than what she's done because there's so much applicant traffic right now when you've got millions and millions of unemployed. And it's, it's very hard to cut through the noise of all that traffic rushing in the front door if you're not thoughtfully you know, crafting your resume and customizing your outreach efforts so that you stand out. That's such a great story. I love them. And there's so much to kind of unpack in that. But I think what I really love about that is how you sort of walked her through the process of what are the skills that you're using and that you are, what are you an expert at and what do you love doing as opposed to, you know, where, why do you, as opposed to focusing on the industry, because the restaurant and the meeting industry is in such flux now. But so I think that's a great story of a, of a personal pivot. And I love, Will, how you kind of took that down to the skill level and then where can we apply those skills? And, you, and she was able to find something else. So that's fantastic. That's great. That's really 
hard, I think, for people who have been doing one thing their whole career to imagine themselves doing something different. But these are these are unprecedented times, and it's time to think differently about everything that we do or have done in the past. It is, and sometimes it's hard if you're just talking to yourself about it and to those folks that you always talk to about it to get a different perspective. And that's why looking into staffing agencies and trying to sync up with recruiters and you know, reaching out to your network and asking for introductions and connections and referrals. Who, who do you know that can help me? Unfortunately, there's almost this culture of shame around asking for help when you're out of work. And I, I talk to people about that all the time. Like I might I propose a scenario to you, Katie, listen, hey, I know you're not you know working right now, but if you were and a friend of yours reached out and said, hey, I just lost my job. I need some help. Would you help that person or, or would you not? And, you know, 10 out of 10 people are going to say, yeah, I'd help my friend. And so I, I, I turn that conversation around and say, if you would instantly help the person that reached out to you in a job search situation, you too need to, you know, just completely shed that incorrect assumption that there's some kind of stigma around not working and ask for help because people will line up to do what they can do to, you know, get you plugged into the the right hiring manager or the, the right uh, referral to a company or the right recruiter or career coach that can assist you. And you just, you got to step up and step out and get confident about it and, and just ask for help because uh, I donate time every day to talk to people about how to win in this unbelievably challenging job search dynamic. And you and I could have a whole series of podcasts around that, but it part of it begins with that job seeker and them having a conversation with themselves around asking for help, reaching out to the network for connectivity and making sure that they are not just sitting at home blindly applying to jobs. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If you're just pounding the keyboard and you know pushing out the same blanket resume to 20 applications a day, you will fail. It simply will not work. So you've got to get a, a different attitude and perspective about it. Reach out for help, utilize your network and get strategic. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> the, the asking for help thing. I was recently talking to Steve Dalton who works over at Fuqua and he's the author of the two-hour job search. And we talked about that exactly, about people often being hesitant to reach out and ask for help. And his take on this, which I loved, was it's really just a healthier way to live to be comfortable asking other people for help. And not just in job search, but in everything. And when you have a job, you're not going to know everything and you're going to need to ask people for help. So the idea was like, just get comfortable with that. You've got to get over it. And and it's just a good way to be a human, to be able to ask others for help and to provide it when others ask you for it. And so I love that. It, it just kind of put that whole thing in perspective for me, I think. And the asking for help piece is huge because like you say, getting that introduction is going to really make a huge difference in your job search. And, and the, the idea of sitting at home behind your computer, applying to jobs in the black hole of the internet at the end of the day, makes some people feel like, yeah, I did something. Today, I applied to 50 jobs. But there's zero return on that job search strategy. 
So it's got to be focused on people and that requires you to ask for help. So no, it's too noisy, too noisy, Katie. It's just like Walmart on Black Friday, right? You got everybody trying to jam in the front door for the deal. And it's just a, it's a, it's a rush and it's a herd and it's just, you can get crushed in that situation. But if you get that introduction, just like you said, right? You got a friend who works in uh, Walmart and and you you go around the side of the building and they let you in that, the employee door, right? And you go right over to that area, grab your TV and get in line. It's just a faster, smarter way to win. And if, if you leverage the network and you get that inside intel and connection, you will get seen faster and known quantities and personal referrals are always going to draw eyes and attention and attraction when it comes to the hiring process of, of who do you know and who can you recommend is, is you know, always going to be the, just the blind application strategy. Yes, 100%. There's, I think getting that introduction takes a lot of the risk out of making a hire for an employer. And who's not looking to de-risk a, a new hire situation? So it just makes so much sense on so many levels. If you are not comfortable with the asking for help thing, this is your day to go get comfortable. And I think the only way to get comfortable is to do it. Yep. So, that's your assignment for today. If you're listening, go get comfortable asking for help. So, all right, let's talk about economic recovery. Lots of theories on what this might look like. And Will, I know you have some thoughts on this. I would love to hear what you're thinking this recovery might look like for us. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no economist, but I'll speak to this via the perspective of a gentleman who's watching the job market, staffing agencies and recruiters tend to be the first ones into the, the downturn and to, to see the pain and feel it. And then we tend to be the, the first ones out. We're great leading indicators, leading indicators of trouble and leading indicators of uh, you know improvement. So we saw about a 95% reduction in job opportunity flow in those last two weeks of March. It was a sudden and enormous halt. And I, what I would describe as the job market since then would be April was really very slow. That was, that was kind of the, the results of, of the dynamic explosion and, and kind of the, the cleanup thereafter. It just wasn't a lot of activity in the job market. We were all kind of recovered from the shock of the situation of what in the world's going on and is this real? And, how long are you going to be locked at home and how long are these places going to be shut down? So April was, you know, really incredibly quiet, particularly locally. May towards the back half of the month was beginning to show some promise and some glimmers of opportunity, particularly locally. And then we had the, the events that occurred uh, right at the end of May after Memorial day, the political upheaval, the rioting, the, those things that kind of re-rattled consumer and small business confidence and really kind of particularly locally that kicked an economy while it was down. And then I saw that the job market that was trying to shutter itself into some sort of potential for momentum, you shut right back down. And that meant that June ended up being a pretty dead period as well. When I, I thought it had the potential to generate a little momentum for us, we're now in early July, uh, which means we finished the first half of the year we finished Q2 and June all of last week. So companies are looking at last month, last quarter, and the first half of the year 
and saying, where are we? Was it as bad as we thought? Was it better than we thought? And you're going to see in July some job activity that will be directly relatable to how the, the first half of the year and Q2 and June went for employers. So I think the job traffic that you see in July will be more real and more palpable than anything that has been posted since mid-March. That does not mean that I think you're going to see an explosion. I just think it means that for those jobs that you see go up here in July, they'll be real and they'll be moving and the employers will be committed to the hires because it will be based on numbers that they can attach budget and headcount to coming out of the first half of 2020. Honestly, locally and nationally, I I really don't know that we're going to have any true job market stability, traction, and upswing, uptrend until we get beyond the election and until we get the point that somebody says, hey, we have a vaccine and it works and we're moving into commercialization and distribution. When we get beyond this very tumultuous, contentious, and politically charged election period, and when we have one of these pharmaceutical companies globally that's racing as fast as they can as a a group to try and get a vaccine in place, when those things wrap up and or the news comes out, I think that we will have a shot at a, a really interesting 21. But, you know, for, for my part and my kind of monitoring of the market and where, you know, our business is focused and where my wife and I are looking from a, a job market and economic standpoint, we're expecting 2020 to be unsettled and to be more of a heart monitor, kind of up and down, week to week, unpredictable, month to month. And there'll be pockets of opportunity, but no real uniform job market improvement, I don't believe, until we get into next year, early next year. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of what we're going to see out there. And we've got all these major uncertainties looming. You mentioned the election, the vaccine. So, you know, there's a lot, I think, between between now and recovery. But Hopefully there are, we can see some new opportunities coming up. One thing I have heard is that a lot of companies stopped their hiring early on in this whole pandemic because they were really uncertain about how to onboard new employees. And a lot of companies felt like we've got this amazing onboarding experience and we just can't deliver it virtually. So we're not going to fill the role. And now that it looks like, a lot of companies do not have plans to go back to the office until 2021. And so now the thinking is, okay, well, now we have to figure this out because we just can't wait that long to bring new people on. And so actually, I think that's a, a cool opportunity for somebody to figure out how to deliver a great onboarding experience to a virtual employee and still have them feel like they're part of the team and they get a sense of the culture and they understand the company values and all those important things. And and that can maybe help just a little bit as far as giving companies some comfort that they can bring people on and still give them a great experience and have it be a a positive thing. 
And they're, and they're having their hands forced, Katie, much like the companies that said, no, we don't embrace remote work. We really want everybody in the office and want them here every day. We want to imbue culture and want everybody working together in teams side by side. And we're just not going to go remote. And then the world said, yeah, you are. Whether you like it or not, you know, congratulations, you're now remote. And so companies were forced, like it or not, to figure out a way to be 100% virtual. And we will never get away from the benefits of camaraderie and the, 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 the tribal human nature of wanting to be together and the shared learning and experience of inner office interactions. But just like companies have had to figure out how to work virtually, they absolutely have no choice but how to figure out how to onboard virtually. And, and you're correct. That is the, the onboarding piece is a, is a key part of new employee experience. And it, it leads to retention and helps with reducing attrition if you get it right. And because onboarding virtually was so new and seemed so high risk, a lot of companies paused hiring because they didn't want to fumble it. But now they're adjusting to the fact that that's simply going to be the way that they have to do it. And you know, watching, hopefully, as, as people begin to implement solutions to address that. Yeah, good, good, good. So you're right. We have no choice here. And the only way out of this is through it. So we've all got to figure this out. But I think you've given us a ton of great ideas as far as where there might be some um, pockets of opportunity in this down job market and some really interesting food for thought on how to personally make a pivot and think about repositioning your career if you're former industry is one that's been really impacted by this global pandemic. So we'll thank you so much for joining us today and really appreciate all of your insight. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Tell us where can people find you and all the amazing things that you do. Great. So uh, I will aspire towards amazing. I don't know if I would put myself in that category, but I'll, I'll take your praise. Barfieldrevenue.com is the website. My last name, Barfield, just like the orange cat, but with a B. Barfieldrevenue.com. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Will Barfield with Barfield Revenue, an open connector and networker and and welcome outreaches and happy to share advice and guidance and input and connections as best I can. I do have a... uh, some podcast content on the website. It's called Raise Your Revenue, and that's available on iTunes as well. And there's more to come there as well as we move through the rest of the year and things start to pick up and, and I invest more time and effort into my own marketing and you know podcast content creation. But yeah, website or LinkedIn, and there's an info or admin email address on the website that you can use to contact me directly. I've really enjoyed this today. I, I welcome your listeners to reach out and hopefully we've you know provided some guidance and advice that they can really utilize. Awesome. Thank you so much, Will. Folks, definitely look up Will Barfield, friend to job seekers everywhere and to companies looking to make hires and looking for some revenue-related consulting services. Will is the local expert on all of that. So he's your go-to guy for that. Thank you so much, Will. And listeners, now that you know how to find some pockets of opportunity in this job market, go do it. I believe in you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.